Hello, good morning and welcome to the latest uh, Auto Retail Live quarterly briefing. It's the briefing for quarter four in partnership with Auto Trader. And yes, there's a new face at the helm. <laughs> uh, I'm Mark James and I'm very much keeping Al Clark's seat warm. Uh, Al will be back for our next webcast, which should be in mid-December. However, that's the only thing that's changed. Uh, it's the same format as usual, so if you want to ask a question to our panel uh, immediately beneath uh, the video viewer window on your web browser, you'll see a box where you can type a question. And all being well, that will come up on my iPad and I can ask your question direct to the panel. So without any further ado, let me introduce our panel for this quarter. And uh, from right to left, as you're looking at it, uh, Dash Gupta, who is the chief, uh, chief exec of the Marshall Motor Group. Dash, good morning. You're very welcome. Morning. Uh, Rebecca Clark, manufacturer and agency director here at Auto Trader. Thank morning. you. Good morning. morning. I feel like saying welcome, but we're actually being hosted by you, so <laughs> yeah. thanks for the welcome. More than welcome. Uh, closest to me, Stephen Brighton, from uh, the, the owner of the Hepworth Motor Group. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Mark. Um, right, folks, before we look ahead at quarter four, let's just take a look back at quarter three. I think that's, that's traditional, see where we are, take a snapshot of the industry. Dash, if I can start with you, quarter three, September, of course, the biggest month. How was it for you? Uh, also, can't comment about me personally, mm -hmm. the listed company. Um, and by the way, uh, what an improvement on Al Clark. Younger, more handsome. <laughs> Sorry, Al, Al would uh, not uh, be surprised if I didn't uh, tease him. But anyway, Al, wherever you are in Europe, enjoy. Um, coming on to the question, I think um, uh, September obviously was um, up 1%, but I think it was very distorted because you've got to look at the year on year comparison. So uh, people will remember that last year was down 20.5%, and that was as a result of uh, the introduction of the worldwide. Uh, light testing procedure emissions uh, changes. So um, I think versus comparatives, um, you know, it was kind of marginally up. Uh, but actually, I think you've got to remember sort of significantly softer comparisons. Uh, I think the other thing you've got to look at is what's happened in terms of October. The SMMC released their results uh, this week. Uh, market was down 6.7%. Uh, with retail notably down 13.2%. And clearly, one of the challenges that uh, uh, we're facing as a, as a UK is the sort of continuing situation around political and economic uncertainty. So that's having a significant impact on consumer confidence. So I'm um, sure we'll get into that a little bit later, though. So, um, you know, I think uh, it's challenging overall. Mm -hmm. Talking of challenging, well done on not getting the B word into that, uh, mm -hmm. into that answer, although I'm sure we'll talk about it later on in the webcast. Stephen, if I can turn to you. September, of course, the, the number plate change. Does it still have the pull that it once did? No, not at all, Mark. I think it's been fading over a number of years since August was deleted. So the people in that cycle who changed about the August time, they've moved out of that cycle, probably moved to March because they think about the plate change. So it's getting less and less. And then in latter years, we've had RDE, as Dash has mentioned, WLTP. But particularly the growth and sophistication with PCH, PCP, the change cycles are changing and they're just moving earlier. And what we're seeing, and certainly the brands we've got, is that August is getting stronger. Uh, but obviously that's at the expense of September because they've just been pulled mm. because the plate mm. doesn't matter. And I guess there's more people on choose transfers. There's, there's a lot of factors, but it's been fading ever since it changed to the two plate change. So you tend to get the early adopters who want the plate change and then it's a normal month. And you've seen that with all the figures which have come out this week in mm. October that it's definitely faded in the back half of September. And I think the other thing I'd say on uh, September as well, the market's been quite distorted because of the you know, issues around RDE2, so there's a big pull forward in terms of vehicles being registered there. But I think the other telltale sign is 45% uh, of the volume was registered in the last four days. Mm. So there's probably an increase in prevalence of uh, pre-registration stock out there as well. So that's another distortion mm. in the marketplace. Okay. Uh, the customer's driven by consumer offer now rather than the play. 
in the old days, the yeah. days of having a showroom full of cars on the 1st of August, it's not that's not the driver, it's the consumer offer. And the consumer offers mm -hmm. are really, really strong. Cars have never been cheaper to buy. Mm. And that may well change after the B word, but yeah. they've never been cheaper to buy. And it's the offer what drives the consumer to purchase. Because what's that doing for your bottom line? Um, it affects the bottom line, but at the end of the day, it's just the customer buys and the customer wants. And the customer's an important person, not trying to fix to a set routine in a, in a month or a year. So at the end of the day, providing the manufacturer provides you with the offers, the customer orders a car and takes a car. It doesn't really have that much effect mm -hmm. uh, on a deal. It's the deal what drives the uh, profitability. Good deal means you'll sell cars. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, just turning to you, the, the online sector, mm -hmm. what are you seeing from searches and what are they telling us about demand and pricing? Yeah, and I think interestingly to your point, Stephen, around consumers. So, well, whilst like you say, Dash, you know, new cars in October, you know, significantly down year on year on, um, you know, the auto trader marketplace, We've seen new car searches up typically 5% year on year and used searches are up approximately 2% year on year. Um, in, in new, sort of, you know, there's 1.6 million unique users on the platform in the month of October looking at new cars. Um, so in terms of the online marketplace, consumers, to your point, still very much looking for opportunities and, and offers, you know, that are available to them. Okay, let's start to look ahead then at quarter four, and we'll obviously talk about maybe tips for um, maximising um, sales and returns at this time of the year, which is traditionally, I guess, quite quite tricky. Mm -hmm. um, it's been added to, because we were going to talk about the B word, um, of course, the Prime Minister has now decided that there's going to be a general election in December, which is uh, an uh, interesting decision, to put it mildly. What, again, Dash, if I can start with you, is... is what do we traditionally see around the time of an election in terms of, of car buying? Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, all it will do is typically slow decision making down because it has a significant impact on, um, you know, the general environment that we're trading with and in the economy. So I think people will be holding off. I think in some ways it's good that it's a relatively short period. It's only, you know, five weeks times. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the other thing as well is, um, you know, November and December is a quieter volume period for us anyway. So if yeah. you're going to have uncertainty, you know, the best time to Good do it is now. November and yeah. December. So actually, you know, uh, we're not exactly operating mm -hmm. in, easy, in an easy um, an economic environment for the sector anyway. So in, from my perspective, I think it's good it's in November and December. I think, um, you know, the other thing we've got to consider as well is actually many of our customers are in a PCP. So they are in an event-driven transaction. We as a group have 73,000 customers who are in a live PCP. Uh, and of course, that is a good product for us to be able to resolicit those customers uh, and, and go again. Now, of course, uh, I agree with Stephen's point, it's around what is that consumer offer uh, going to drive. So we have seen some pricing pressure as a result of weakening sterling. Uh, but equally, we're seeing you know, that people are shifting from new to you. So uh, if you look at our performance in the first half, we were up 7.2%. Uh, on used cars, so we are sort of seeing an interplay between new into used, um, and um, you know that's one of the things that, and the characteristics that we see across the sector. So um, personally, I think the sooner the sort of uncertainty mm -hmm. yeah. lifts, and I'm sure everyone will say yes. uh, it's, it's going to be good news. Rebecca's nodding there in the middle. Um, does that uncertainty, <laughs> the fact that it's uh, you know another potential blip, is that good news for the for the online sector? I think last time there was a general election, um, it didn't really make much difference in terms of mm. online activity. I think, you know, to your point, it's very different this year as well with, you mm. know, the B word, um, very much around us as well. And I think, 
you know, again, from a consumer perspective, they're just very much keen, you know, you know, Brexit fatigue, just keen that, you know, as a, as a country, we move on um, as, as swiftly as possible. So I think, um, will it make a difference to the online traffic? Unlikely, given previous experience, it is a different marketplace in which we're operating this year. Clearly, much more challenging for consumers and, and industry as a whole, but we're not anticipating any huge mm. swings adversely. Stephen, let's just open it up slightly. Mm -hmm. um, can we, you, make up for that drop in consumer confidence by following up all the customer leads, for example? Uh, absolutely. Um, you've got to make the most of every lead. What we're seeing, I'm sure, Dash, is conversion rates are going up, mm. uh, leads are going down. They're probably doing more searching. Sundays is a great example mm -hmm. where you see very few people in the showrooms, but that doesn't mean that they're not sat at home yeah. looking on Online, the internet yeah. and doing the searching, and then you will see the conversion rates going up. Uh, but it's, I did have a look at the figures in this question about what happens after a general election, which was June 17 mark, and the market continued to go down, but it's all muddied by the lack of confidence through Brexit. Yes. So I don't think the general election is neither here nor there in the bigger scheme of things. And 100% that's a really good point. It's going to be over in the quietest period. Yeah. And actually, I don't think it makes that much difference because we've got fatigue. So the Brexit lack of confidence is, under my, is there anyway. So it doesn't make any difference. It's just a bit more mud in the muddy water. I, I, I think you're putting on conversions absolutely right as well. I mean, I think a lot of it is about mindset. Yeah. You know, you can either have the mindset, oh, we're all doomed, mm -hmm. it's going to be really miserable, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, one of the things we've been doing is really focusing on conversion. Mm -hmm. So last year we had a 2.87% increase mm -hmm. in conversion. Yeah. Um, because the reality is, you know, there's still going to be over 10 million transactions mm -hmm. for new news vehicles, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, whilst we're a big group, we do mm -hmm. like 1% of that. So there's loads to go, and every day, whether we like it or not, sadly, you know, people come into our showrooms and we don't possibly follow them as well as we could do. It's about maximising every opportunity and having the mindset that people are out there. You know, those businesses who are focused on that will do well. I, I would actually echo that 100%. The customers that we speak to, mindset is a huge part of it mm. because doom and gloom is not going to help mm. anybody. Like you say, still, you know, a large volume of transactions taking place and you do see mm. retail say, let's focus on how we take the biggest share of the available market that we possibly mm. can, which is where things like, you know, best practice, making sure, you know, the people in the showroom are operating in the way that we'd all be proud of, online representation being the way that it needs to be. There's still a market out yeah. there, despite the broader macro environment that we are yeah. you know, well, find ourselves I, in. I do like a good graphic from time to time. So let's just pull up a, a graphic to show you um, exactly what you've been saying. And in fact, the, the forecast quarter three to quarter four, both for um, uh, for used and for new, hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. So exactly what you've been talked about about the you know the, the final quarter and uh, the, the uncertainties and, and all the rest of it, it doesn't seem to have had any any major change in the way people are thinking. Um, I mean, we will ask our usual question very shortly, so people can give us feedback on what they think. Uh, they may personally be doing in, in quarter four, but it's uh, it's an interesting graphic that there's there's no real change there. Um, factors imp uh, impacting the, the the final quarter, um, the FCA report, the the Financial Conduct Authority report. Um, who wants to lead with this one? Um, what if any impact? And I'll go through the the, the mm -hmm. three of you thoughts on on that. Dash, maybe if you want to start. Listen, I think uh, I welcome the FCA changes. I think it's going to be. You know, if you look at the journey that consumers have to go through, it's a painful process. I think transparency is a good thing. Uh, I think uh, the change that the FCA is driving, we welcome as our business. We're very, very 
um, focused in terms of having the right culture within our business, and uh, we have a culture of continual improvement in our organisation. So uh, I actually think it's going to be good news. I think personally, um, you know, the industry uh, within parts of sectors of the, in the industry, I'd say, uh, perhaps don't represent the wider sector as well as we could do. So personally, I think this is going to be good news. I think, um, you know, I think having uh, a situation where APRs come down and it's consistent and transparent uh, has got to be good. And ultimately, uh, I think you'll see penetration go up as well as a result of it. So I think it's going to be easier for the consumer What is in what is a very um, difficult process that they've got to navigate through. So I welcome it, you know. Rebecca? Um, yeah, echo a lot of, of what Dash mentions there. I think when when we think around consumers, one of the things that we hear consistently is the need for ease, speed, simplicity and transparency. Transparency around, you know, consumers not wanting to find hidden costs when they're, you know, looking at purchasing the next vehicle. Um, want to, you know, opportunities to build trust, to feel comfortable, not always that they're getting the cheapest price, it's getting a fair price. Mm. Um, you know, simplicity, what's my experience like in, in the showroom, omni-channel, online to, to offline. So I think anything that really supports, and, and finance clearly is a huge part of that, making things very clear, very visible, very, you know, again, building that trust and confidence for buyers is hugely important. So I think it's akin to everything kind of that we all strive to mm. achieve for consumers and actually very much need to in this world where people, you know, want and need to understand exactly, you know, what they're entering into on an individual basis. And Stephen, we were talking this morning mm. over breakfast about finance and PCP and, and everything else. Mm. So um, something like this crucial to the, the entire yeah. industry, I guess. Yeah. As both Max and Dash are saying, it actually is a good thing. It levels the field uh, for the customer. Your teams have to be very transparent and follow the routine, but that is not a bad thing because what you need in your showroom, you know, we've got three showrooms, you've got you know, lots. It's got to be consistent across the showrooms, and that's what the customer expects these days. It will be better from the manufacturer point of view, Mark. I think they're going to have to look at the whole deal franchising model to put the margins where they need to be, because traditionally they've relied on financial income to help prop up yeah. uh, or drive businesses. That will be less so because it will be level, but that's better for the independent franchise dealer as well, so they can compete to a degree as well. So I welcome it. It's got to be right going forward for the customer and ultimately for the dealers as well. So the business structure stays the same. Okay, we've started receiving questions. Your questions, as I mentioned earlier, if you've um, got anything you want to ask any of our panel, or indeed all of our panel, um, just type your question in the box immediately below uh, the video screen in your internet browser. And um, the first has already popped up on my iPad. Uh, Jamal Abdul Malik from um, Stephen Eagle, good morning. Thanks for your question. When listing a car advert online, would you say the features and specification of the car should be the first thing people read from your advert and the most important, or a short description of why you're the best retailer in town? Stephen, let's start with you. Mm. I mean, we, we tend to move more and more photographs. You do need to have the, the company, because if you've got a strong company image, in our case, 40 years of heritage, that's what you try and focus on. Um, so it's a bit of both, but more photographs and as transparent a uh, description of the car as you can get. Dash? Um, we, we're 110 years old, so we're quite proud of our brand. I think we've got a good reputation in the marketplace for customer service, so uh, that's been sort of in the DNA of our company for, for many, many, many years. Uh, so we, all of our operations do trade as Marshall because we want to get that brand image across to our consumers. Uh, and I think the other thing in terms of pictures, it builds trust. 
we actively, actively target our operations and we have visibility of this um, to 30 pitches as a minimum, as an absolute minimum. Rebecca, I deliberately left you until last as the uh, online guru on the panel. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, obviously, some consumers know what vehicle they're looking for. Some consumers are very open to what their next vehicle is. I think, you know, understanding what vehicles are presented in front of them and specification is important. But, you know, the question asks about um, the retailer, and I would say I think increasingly important is who they are buying mm. from to that point of feeling safe, secure, trust. So anything that, you know, retailers do to promote, be it, you know, reviews or owner reviews, anything that builds that credibility and gives the consumer more confidence in who they're buying from as well as the vehicle is super important. I think the other thing on the retailer point as well is if you look at consumer behaviour, the reality is new car customers, uh, and I've got millions of data that can verify this, I'm sure Bex will support this as well, New car customers, 93% in our case, buy from their local retailer. They will shop around, they'll go and look at various portals, uh, but the reality is they'll come and say, if you can match this deal, can, you, can we give you the business? Mm -hmm. And the, the, why do they do that? They do that because they want that relationship with the local retailer because the servicing. If you look at servicing, I would say 97% of our customers are local to us. You know, So they want that relationship with the retailer. Use cars, different story, because every individual vehicle is unique and we see a different behavior there. Um, but I think that re uh, relationship with the retailer is very important. So I think in terms of the question that was asked, I think it is quite important that uh, consumers have got that yeah. piece of mind. But this, without doubt, images, you know, good quality photographs, if you, if you don't have those, then it's almost a non-starter. Mm -hmm. Great descriptions that are, you know, succinct and give, you know, the key information that consumers are looking for. And then the confidence around mm -hmm. the, con uh, the retailer is super yeah. important. It brings into another point, consumers are very confident with a local dealer. What you're actually seeing is your servicing revenues and the servicing volumes are actually going up, that consumers are not deserting the dealer network. Mm. They're just possibly putting off a purchase mark. So actually, they're still within the thing. And so therefore, there's lots of reasons to be optimistic going forward that that will return. The pent-up demand from the uncertainty will come back into this because they've not deserted the dealer network. Our level of customer, number of customers is the same, if not more, because they trust the dealer network, particularly with more uncertain, probably with electric and various things coming onto the market, uh, there's a lot of proof that NF, through the NFDA and other surveys that the, they want to deal with the franchise dealer. So there's a lot of reasons to be confident. We just need to get over the constipation. <laughs> and of course, online gives everybody that equal opportunity. Correct. Franchise independent to operate, you know, in mm. that level playing field. So again, how you use that real estate when, you know, to the point earlier, you know, not everybody is going to the forecourt these days. They're starting their journeys typically online. That's your first opportunity mm. to engage your consumer and keep them to allow them to go as far down the path to purchase as mm. they want and need to. Um, and then, you know, seamlessly hand over into the showroom environment when, when no, that occurs. It's almost as though I've, I've written Stephen's script because I wanted to talk about confidence and ask our now traditional uh, survey question, which um, will um, give you the updated uh, figures at the end. But looking at the quarter, do you expect uh, in your frame of business to sell more cars, the same number of cars or fewer cars uh, compared to the same period last year. So if you can reply to that, uh, the survey is on your screen now. And as I said, just before the end of the webcast, uh, I'll bring you up to date with um, what uh, the industry is telling us, what you're telling us today about how you see uh, quarter four uh, for your business. So back to the 
questions that have come in. You can submit them right up until the end of the webcast. Uh, Martin Donnelly from Inchcape. Good morning, Martin. Thank you for your question. Where do you see the typical car showroom in 10 years' time? Will there still be a need for these gin palaces? Gin palaces? Do you have any gin palaces, Stephen? Mm, gardens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oof. there's some big expenses going into some massive um, palaces, LSH, Mercedes in Stockport, for example, and JLR sites up and down the country. And you do, as an independent, grasp at the amount of money which these things must cost. And I guess the customer may well think that as well. But it will develop. They will develop into destinations, whether they've got different use, whether they go multi-franchise. Mm. Uh, there'll still be a, a, a market for them. There won't be as many. I do think the market will consolidate, and some of the gym palaces will end up not selling cars, will end up selling whatever else happens to be on the market because the market keeps evolving mm. and a car is no longer the second most biggest purchase people make because frequently on PCP and PCH, uh, as I we was telling you last night, there's people who pay more for a mobile phone mm -hmm. or a Sky package than they do for a monthly package for a car. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, the world is changing. <coughs> the use for that building may well change. Some of them, but I do think the market will consolidate. Personally. Dash, 10 uh, years' time, look into your crystal ball for us. Yeah, so, hello, Martin Muggleby. Um, so, I've, my, my view is that we're going through changes in industry, and I think you are going to see consolidation. And let's just bring it a couple of levels. I think, for me, it's you've got to look at the OEMs. Um, we are going to see consolidation with the OEMs. We've seen that literally in the last couple of weeks with uh, the PSA uh, merger with the uh, FCA. Uh, and what's driving that is the requirement to hit the emissions targets for them. So that you're going to see shared technology, manufacturers consolidate. Uh, you will see some manufacturers pull out of markets. We've already seen that recently with the one brand leaving last year in the UK. Um, and I think where it will go over time, and I think it will accelerate because of the requirement to uh, hit the emissions targets for the, for the various brands, uh, I think you'll see a um, number of brands going towards sort of 10 million plus units. So clearly you have Toyota there, you have VW Group there. Uh, I think PSA, FCA are looking about 8.5. Uh, million units. So you'll see consolidation with the brands. As you see consolidation with the brands, you'll see consolidation with the networks. Uh, the reality is um, the investment the OEMs are putting in uh, is going to require them to uh, make a return over that, but it will be over the medium to long term. Uh, in order for them to be able to do that, they are going to have to be able to uh, drive cost out at their end. You'll see, I believe, some of the sort of national sales offices uh, take cost out. So in some in sort of, sort of regional areas, you might see, whereas you might have had a head office for a manufacturer in each of those countries, you'll see maybe more of like a regional uh, operation. And then inevitably, as there's going to be fewer manufacturers, uh, you'll see a requirement for fewer retail networks. So um, every manufacturer is consolidating their network positions. Um, you know, uh, my personal view is, and I think this is shared by many, um, and he does with a very senior um, industry manufacturer uh, relatively recently, and he said the same number that I did. I think you'll see uh, a reduction in dealer points, which is nothing new. It's been happening for decades. Um, I think there'll be 25 percent retail, less retailers. Um, and what you will see is the throughput per site will go up. So if you look at industry uh, turnover, if I look at my business in 2008, uh, we were turning over 9.7 million per site. Uh, now, in fairness, we've we've changed our portfolio more towards premium, so it's a little bit distorted, and it probably flatters this number I'm going to give you. Uh, but we're around 23 million per site, and I think over time, what you'll see is more throughput. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if our turnover per site in four, five, six years' time ends up heading towards 30 million. So fewer retailers, we will, um, you know, will eat 
more often, but less, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. But mm -hmm. I think I think in terms of the uh, the key things you've got to say is, well, where do these locations need to be? So one of the strategies that we've adopted, and I know a couple of other groups also adopt, is you need to make sure which of those brands are going to survive in the long term, which have got the scale to hit these emissions targets and invest in the future. So when I look at our portfolio, you know, we have relationships with 19 car manufacturers. There are 36 in the UK, but our 19 represent 83% of the market. So I'm pretty confident the guys that we partner with will, will be there for the long term and the duration. And then you've then got to say, okay, which of the markets that will survive? Do you need, you know, three or four locations within a tight, contiguous market area? No, you probably don't. So that's where you'll see, you know, the number of points reduce. But I think it will be the, the stronger retailers that will survive. Um, and they will see inevitably, as we have been seeing already, uh, consolidation. And that will be an opportunity for some retailers. Also, um, <clears throat> we're starting to see disruption in the market in that you've got uh, the likes of Tesla, who are selling cars in a very different way. We've recently seen Polestar, um, this um, Chinese-Swedish brand, say that they're going to be selling direct from um, uh, experience centers, not mm -hmm. the traditional dealer um, uh, network that we're, that we're used to. So, Rebecca, where, you know, where do you see that disruption to the mm -hmm. market leading us? I think if I look at it from a consumer perspective, um, you know, back to the point earlier, consumers have very different wants and needs. And, you know, most consumers now, without doubt, start journeys online. They will do the online, you know, research. You know, Autotrade is there from the kind of the research phase right to, you know, the end when consumers are looking to purchase their vehicles. Um, but that said, there are still a significant number of consumers that clearly at some point in that purchase want to go to the showroom and enjoy that handover. So whilst there's always going to be an element of consumers that are happy to purely buy online, and without doubt we see that very much as part of the future, but it's not necessarily like we're saying that's going to change in five years and overnight and everybody will be purely um, buying online. So um, I think from a consumer perspective, you know, we need to be there to satisfy various consumer needs, but without doubt online is, is going to be a huge part of that. And I get sorry, and just back to the earlier mm. point again, I think, you know, um, in, in terms of the future, like you say, the cost, the infrastructure, um, you know, that is needed for manufacturers and for retailers, you know, to move forwards, electric vehicles, etc. all the cost that comes in is a, is a real consideration. But again, that, that still supports the fact that consumers will do a lot of stuff online, but still want to go to that, re that dealership for that, you know, confidence and trust element of their journey. So we've got to satisfy different types of consumer needs I, and requirements. And the, the other element, forgive me, so, is that the, the, the likes of Tesla will be building to order, whereas I assume that people want it now, or does that um, you know, still exist, that they want to come in, see the product, and drive away in it. So the fact that you've got stock is something that the, um, the bricks and mortar establishments have um, in hand over the, you know, configure online build online, have it delivered, and, and never actually deal with a, with a traditional dealer? I, th I think a couple of things. One, uh, if you look at um, the average mileage that's done in the UK, and you look at the average speed, which I googled relatively recently, and it was about 25 miles an hour, you're in a car for a thousand hours. A thousand mm -hmm. hours. Okay, would you buy a house on Brightmove by going click to buy? You wouldn't. You know, this is not something like buying something from Amazon uh, that you know you can send back. You know, it's a material purchase. Um, the consumers have the opportunity to research online, but they still want that final piece of comfort um, uh, in terms of driving the car, what's it like, what's the experience like. Um, so I, I don't think that will change. Of course, there will be some people who will say, actually, 
I don't really care what the car drives like. I just want something to get me from A to B, click to buy, and I'm happy paying £299 a month. And that's fine. There will be a small percentage, uh, and we can handle that. And there's plenty, as I said, there's going to be over 10 million vehicles sold in this UK new. So we've got to focus on that opportunity. I think in terms of Tesla, I think what Tesla did um, very effectively was give a lot of the mainstream OEMs a bloody nose to say, actually, we can get an electric car out very quickly. Um, and, of course, a lot of the other brands have been catching up uh, as a result, and they've probably been four or five years behind. But if you look at a lot of the brands, particularly you know some of the, the, the big groups, there is a plethora of new models coming out. Mm -hmm. So the, one of the things, if you look at production capability for Tesla, it's around just over 100,000 units. So the challenge for them has always been meeting demand uh, because they don't have the product, production capabilities and they don't have the used car uh, management down the line either. So um, I think when you look at uh, what is going to happen in the next three or four years and you look at the new models coming down the stream, I think actually Tesla will come under a bit more pressure. We've touched on it already about the, the CO2 emissions and we're now into um, alternative fuel vehicles. Um, Rebecca, if I can ask you, the, the, the impact of the OEM CO2 changes, mm -hmm. what do you think consumers want in terms of um, low CO2 mm -hmm. cars, where, where do you see us going? I think it, in terms of searches for um, alternative fuel vehicles, you know, we're seeing those up circa 25% year on year. So I think from a consumer perspective, definitely in the last kind of 12, 18 months, we've seen a significant change, you know, in, in terms of consumer mentality towards alternative fuel vehicles. And again, I think that's a real opportunity for retailers to make sure, you know, in terms of the people that are employed by retailers are fully up to speed and knowledgeable about the vehicles, the product range, how um, alternative fuel vehicles are marketed, you know, as part of the range, not something separate that sits over here. So I think from a consumer perspective, right now, yes, you know, and we look at how many new models are coming out from a manufacturer mm -hmm. perspective, we're in a very different place that consumers are, you know, are, are much more ready for than perhaps they were two years ago. Um, mm -hmm. in, in terms of kind of physical vehicles as well, you know, back to the other point of, of readiness and availability of stock. Consumers are quite a lot more impatient these days than perhaps we were in the past. You know, on Autotrader, since we changed our new car proposition last year and about 30,000 physical new cars online that are available to drive away, these are just all things that maybe weren't available in the past in the same way to consumers. Mm. And we're seeing such a big change, I guess. But I think AFEs, you know, consumers very much in the mentality of I want to learn more and understand more. Cost sometimes, I think, is the question that they've got. Are they more expensive typically? So how can we, you know, work with consumers to educate on finance opportunities, etc. So a perfect place to bring Stephen in because one of your sites will be selling the, the Honda E. Yeah. And we were again talking before we came on air. Um, how do your staff answer questions about a car that isn't here yet? And although you've already taken orders. Yeah, we've already taken orders. I'm sure Dash has. It's, the car is a very desirable car. Uh, the online training on the provider is very, very good. But the sales teams are interested and want to deliver that. And the, the customer will come in. The customer is a lot more aware of electric cars, and you can see that in the order take. Mm. And the days of if take Nissan Leaf, which isn't a car we sell, but that car's gone from a 35-mile range to a 90-mile range to a 200-mile range, and range anxiety is a bit of a thing of the past. But all of a sudden, there is a willingness to buy electric vehicles. You've seen that with MG. We All three brands we represent are going to have electric cars within the range by 2022. Um, so it is, it is coming. My concern is the way the industry is being expected to adapt by government legislation, BIK changes, that the public is ready, absolutely ready to move. Whether the industry can move 
through supply and infrastructure is another kettle of fish. But it does then bring the question, if there's a mass adoption of electric cars, or alternative fuel cars, whether it's self-charging, hybrid or full electric, BEVs, um, what's going to happen to the ice-powered cars? Because at the end of the day, I don't know how many vehicles are in the park, but it's millions, which are petrol and diesel-powered mm -hmm. cars. There's a lot of diesel demonisation, which is not heart of the industry. Mm -hmm. What is going to happen to those cars? Because we will have the challenge of dealing with those cars as a public migrate to electric, and I think they are going to migrate to electric because the politicians want green number plates, etc., and they don't really understand how we, as a dealer network, make that happen. Uh, so it could make the cars more expensive because their ice-powered car is you need to find a home for that car. So migration could be speed of migration could be an issue. We've talked very well. Let's talk very very briefly. Then we've we talked in the past. I know the industry is saying you know electric is coming. Uh, we've already touched on the fact that you've got all of these cars that were um, announced at uh, at Frankfurt. So Polestar, uh, Volkswagen ID3, uh, Peugeot E208. All these cars are are on their way. So will 2020? be the year that electricity, electric cars finally break into the industry and will there be almost an oversupply problem where demand may overstrip, outstrip supply? I don't think in 2020, Mark, no, but uh, the, um, the product coming through is great, but there's also cafe going on in the background which we haven't touched on. We've touched on RD and WLTP, but the cafe regulation for 2020, that's part of the reason there's going to be a lot of electric cars. The good thing is, in my opinion, with the electric cars coming onto the market, CO2 will actually now start reducing. But the manufacturers have got massive targets to get CO2 down to, I think it's an average of 95 grams per kilometre. So if you've got bigger cars with much higher CO2 than that, you've got a big challenge. So you're going to see more electric cars because they need the electric cars to balance their corporate average fuel economy. Right. The, the clock, I'm afraid, has almost beaten us. So uh, we'll quickly go through the panel. Quarter four, we've talked about the uncertainties, the election, all the other, mm -hmm. um, the, the dreaded B word. Um, a couple of tips from each of you, please, uh, for our audience about um, quarter four targets and um, what tricks you've got up your sleeve. Dash, let's start with you. I think the biggest thing is about mindset. You know, if you have the right mindset, um, you know, if I look at our business, we, we, we play it a win. You know, when, when I'm not interested in what the market's doing, you know, I've been CEO there 12 years now and 11 years on the bounce, including post-Brexit, we've delivered like for like revenue growth, including 2017, 2018 and the first half of this year. You know, as I keep saying, there'll be over 10 million people who want to buy a car this year. It's about how you adapt, it's about making sure you improve those conversions and making sure every inquiry that comes to the door, you maximise it. Rebecca. I would just add, you know, from a consumer perspective, anything that supports that ease, speed, simplicity, transparency to make car buying easier has to be um, a benefit. So, you know, best practice, some of the things we talked about before. Um, and then I guess from this quarter, a few tactical things. Stephen and I mm -hmm. were talking earlier, just, you know, like things like Black Friday that are coming up in the quarter. And I know there are lots of different views <clears throat> about things like that. But if there is an opportunity, perhaps just to have a different message in terms of opportunities or offers that exist for consumers, then, you know, making the most of things like that where it's appropriate to do so. Mm -hmm. I think we're looking at, they're looking at it in quarter four targets. There's an opportunity all the time. And one of the opportunities is there's a number of CO2 cars, which from a sales team, if they can all sell one more new car, one more used car in the two months going, probably get you towards your target. And particularly from an established uh, motor dealer, you, you're, you will have a set, stable sales team who've got a customer bank mark, and they should be able to go to those customers because those cars will be cheaper. Because post Brexit, 
we don't know what pricing is going to be. It's likely that the new cars are going to cost a lot more money and also the downward pressure on used cars is going to make the balance to change bigger. So there's definite opportunity. And can I just say that the, the economy of this country is intrinsically quite strong. It's just constipated by the political mayor, but actually underlying it's strong and there's no reason to be afraid that it won't go forward well. Um, interesting figures coming back from our survey and that's how we'll, we'll end things today. Um, we asked you earlier on to give us your opinion on whether you thought that you'd be selling um, more cars, the same number of cars or fewer cars than the, the same quarter last year. Uh, the results are in. 31.6% uh, of you say that you think you'll be selling more cars quarter four this year. 15.8% uh, <coughs> think you'll be selling about the same number of cars uh, but 52.6% of you have told us that you think you'll be selling fewer cars in quarter four uh, this year, which um, I guess bears up that we've been talking about a, a difficult year and the uncertainty and the constipation, great word, um, that we've been talking about. <laughs> I'll remember that one. Um, but um, but no, your, um, your survey figures are in, so that's what you're telling us. And the good news is the 31% are all Marshall dealers. <laughs> right, I think we better round Nine things sets. off there. Um, thanks to my panel today, all three of you, thank you very much for your uh, attendance and your uh, um, engagement this morning. And uh, Al, as I mentioned, will be back next time, so uh, you'll have a far more experienced chairman to deal with who <laughs> probably won't let you get away with, uh, with what I've let you get away with this morning, but you're, um, you're all very welcome. Uh, thanks to you for watching and your questions over the last 35 minutes or so. And uh, in terms of the uh, quarterly preview, that will return in the new year. Uh, but we will have one more uh, live webcast uh, to come this year, so stay tuned for details. But for now, until the next time, a very goodbye.